0: This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. you are about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. So the title of today is Passion of the Psalms. If any of you have heard me speak before, you know that I I, I love the Psalms. I love referring to it. I keep saying things like there's a psalm for every emotion. Um, But yeah, I love the Psalms. And... um, uh, time ago, I started doing, I'd, even from when I was young, I found that I'd always read the Psalms. I have some favorite Psalms and things like that. And sometime ago, I started doing a study. Um, there's some certain questions I'm looking for answers in the Psalms. So, when our daddy, Gio, peace Psalm of the Most High, shout out to my baby wherever you are, um... When he said that, uh, when he said I was going to be taking service today, and I was thinking of what to um, talk about, I was like, "Okay, um, let's talk about the Psalms." And so, thus was born the sermon called "Passion of the Psalms." Now, there is one. There was a quote I came across as I was preparing for service this evening that says, "The Bible is a live is a living action." Between the Almighty Creator of the Universe and His most cherished creation, humanity. We do not understand Scripture unless we hear it in the divine-human dialogue. And what I got from that is Scripture, the whole the Bible, it's a conversation. How many of us remember when uh, P Sam preached about who moves first, where he was talking about who moves first? Is it God? Is it man? The Bible is like I don't want to say a movie, no, I don't want to use that analogy, but I'll just use the words that I'm quoting. It's living action, right? It's between almighty creator and his creation, humanity. So there are two things at play here. It's the divinity of God and the humanity of man. And there's that conversation from Genesis to Exodus to uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's what it's been. It's about who is moving first, or it's about two people moving first. Permit me to put it that way. Go and get that message for you to understand what I just said. That's what the Bible is. It's just telling you about God moving towards man, and man moving back towards God, and God moving towards man, and the man moving back towards God. That's what the Bible is. But there, there's two, um, I don't know what to call it now, but there are two things that we see, which is the divinity of God. The fact that God is God. He's he's not man. He's Almighty Creator, of heaven, uh, the Creator of heaven and earth. And there's man who is human, right? And by human, um, best way I can define it is spirit, soul, and body. Uh, again, let me recap. Pisa has also touched on this. That I know, especially if you had, if you grew up. Um, in Pentecostal Christian circles, I don't, know if it's just, if it's, I don't know if it's Pentecostal alone, but we would have heard things like, man is a spirit who has a soul that lives in a body. But actually, man is spirit, soul, and body, which is why we know, we understand from Scripture that we're going to receive a new body. If it wasn't important that we had a body, then why bother? So man is actually spirit, soul, and body. Right? And the reason that, that it's important that you understand that concept is there's a way that... So one of the things, there's a way that um, your philosophy... Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not going to sound like Pissam. But there's a way your philosophy, by philosophy I mean um, your your understanding of reality, your understanding of truth, your understanding of God and the relationship of God with man, there's a way your, um, well, there's no, your philosophy will actually guide how you see everything. It's like a filter. It's a filter to how you see life. So you might find yourself, if you start thinking, oh, man is a spirit. It's not a body. So my body is, my body is, what's, what's the word? It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean anything, right? And you just think I'm a spirit. Before you know it, you, you might just find yourself thinking things like, since man is a spirit and I'm in spirit, when I do things in my body, it doesn't really matter because my core is my spirit. My, what I do in my body doesn't matter. No, man is spirit, soul, and body. And God created it so. God actually created it so. Um, and one of the things that um, I would like to touch on today is that thing we call emotions that God created. God didn't make a mistake. He created us to have emotions in his infinite wisdom. He created us to have emotions. And I think that emotions and going through emotions is one of the things about man and the humanity of man. There's a way that you can begin to think emotions are bad things. And you're right, but you're also wrong. And so I'm also going to be touching on that today. Okay? So, yeah, let me digress a bit to talk about emotions. Now, by emotions, what do I mean? Emotions, definitions I came across that I think will help capture it well, is your mental states, right? How you react. Emotions are reactions. How you react, your reaction patterns to things, right? It's also associated with your thoughts, your feeling. Really, your behavioral responses, right? Um, it speaks to a degree of pleasure and displeasure. It's how individuals deal with matters or situations that they find personally significant. So they are—they will say that there are six core emotions, which is sadness, happiness, you know, fear, anger, surprise, and disgust. So if we pick all of them, you see that they are all reactions. You feel sad when you're reacting to something you feel happy when somebody does something to you or you're reacting to something you feel fear when you're in a certain situation um you feel anger when somebody does something that annoys you you feel surprised if, uh, you know and then you can also feel disgust at if you see something you don't like those are things that already are in it in you as man so that's what i mean by emotions Okay? Um, so now, how should Christians handle emotions as believers? Are we not to feel emotions? So there are different types of emotions. I think I even at some point, at a place, I saw a list of 24. But let's even take the example of the six dimensions. How are Christians really supposed to handle emotions? Remember I mentioned sadness, happiness, fear, anger, Surprise, disgust. Are uh, Christians not supposed to feel? Now, let me take it back and, and reiterate something again. Emotions are reactions. Do you understand? Um, let me take fear for example. You can train yourself not to be afraid. Let me use an example of a dear believer that I know that is afraid of balloons. Yes, so there's someone that is afraid of balloons, and this particular she, he, day. If you bring balloon near day, <laughs> the person um, reacts in a certain way. That's what an emotion is. So um, when I was listing these emotions, how many of us have ever had that um, notion that, as an as a believer, you're not supposed to fear? if it has ever, if it ever had that kind of notion that, as a believer, the Bible said, fear not, 365 times, you are not supposed to fear. But we need to be able to really understand what the Bible is saying, <laughs> because emotions were put there, like I don't even want to start going into, I will leave those type of things for peace and to go into the psychoneurotical reason for how, maybe why God put emotions, but Emotions have its uses. We found the emotions with us. Even from when children are, I think children might not show emotions from the, I can't remember what age, I think maybe from like three months, but without anybody teaching them, it will get to a point where they start showing fear. Um, I think one of the first emotions that children display is um, separation anxiety, which is fear, where they look here, look here, they don't see their mother, and they just start crying. That's emotion. The child is already showing emotion. So we we found ourselves with emotion as we found ourselves in this world. But there's that notion that we can feel like, for some emotions, the believer is not supposed to feel fear. Or let me put it this way. Sometimes it looks like the good emotions are the things that we should feel. Joy. You know, happiness. um, um, Love. I don't know. It's love and emotion. But let me just use that as an example right? Joy and things like that. Those are the good ones. But when it comes to things like anger, uh-uh, and you call yourself a Christian, how dare you? Or fear, or things like that. But I believe that <laughs> believers feel emotions. I'm not even going to say you should or you should not. Whether you like it or not, you feel emotions. You are not a carton, Neither are you a computer. You will feel emotions. You will. There's no There's no hiding it. So your reaction as a believer to emotions that come to you is that you should feel them. But there's another angle. But there's another angle. But let me just say it and then I'll explain it. Believers should feel emotions. Or let me not say should. Believers would feel emotions. But what you now need to do is to base it on the truth of God's word. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Remember, I, I, I spoke about, I defined um, philosophy, and what I mean by philo- philosophy is um, what helps you understand truth, your worldview, um, how you understand truth, your, how you understand the world, the relationships with other people. So when I mean um, you should base it in the philosophy of Christ, When you feel emotions, it needs to be the base of your heart. You should be grounded in the truth of God's word, in the truth of Christ. So I'll give an example. Let's open to... I want to give New Testament examples. Um, I don't know, but let me give New Testament examples. Let's open Ephesians 4, verse... 26, Ephesians 4 verse 26, and I want to talk about some of the emotions that we might connote as negative, um, because I know if it's the good one, that one is not hard to convince you that it's okay um, when you feel those emotions. It says, I'm reading from the NIV. It says, in your anger, do not sin. That already describes what I mean. It did not say, do not be angry. It says, in your anger. But then it now bases it in the truth of God's word. It says, do not sin. So from here, we can see it's okay. You're going to feel angry. There are things that will happen to you that you will have an emotional reaction. We know that Jesus felt emotion, right? We do know that Jesus felt emotion. You no, know, sometimes we want to feel that, no, he was that. And, and you feeling emotions doesn't mean you are not logical. He felt emotions, but if he based it in the truth of God's word. When Lazarus died, what happened? He wept. When he saw them in the temple doing buying and selling, what did he do? Flogged. They collect. So, Jesus felt emotion. There were times where he saw um, people sick and in need of healing, and he was moved by compassion. That's emotion. So, Jesus felt emotion, but yeah. So, it, it tells you what to do. It's not saying don't be angry. It says in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So, that's an example. You will feel emotion. There are things that will happen to you. And let me tell, tell you why this is important and why I'm saying this. If the way you understand emotion is um, is not fully truthful, is not incoherent, what will happen is that life will happen to you, situations will happen to you, and think you will feel a certain way and then somewhere in your mind, you will be hearing bang, 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 bang. But no, I shouldn't feel like this. And that thing might just pass. But what will happen is that with time, you're putting layers and layers of some certain type of feeling that uh, something is wrong. You might not know. You might not express it that way, but you are. Let me give um, an example, something that always pieces piece him off. Where he hears things like, in movies, where he will say, where they will tell you, you don't need to know, you don't need to see, you just need to have faith, and they make it sound like having faith is something that silly people who don't, you know, they just you just need to have faith. And there's a way, and I in conversations with people, I just hear people that hear people say things like, you know, when you have faith, you, it's just you don't understand, you don't need to understand. The hair. those are the phrases they use. You don't need to understand, you don't need to know, you just need to have faith. And they're like, what does that even mean? Or where people say. Faith doesn't have to be logical. It doesn't have to make sense. Yes, that's a particular one that pieces, piece, some am off. It doesn't have to be logical. It doesn't have to make sense. I'm like, what do you mean by that? Faith is actually logical, and it makes sense. So in the same way, if you don't understand that believers should feel emotions, but they should feel emotions grounded in Christ, somewhere at the back of your mind, you will feel some emotions, and then you might be thinking in your mind that, no, but I shouldn't be feeling this and then you, something will just jam. You might just throw it to the back of your head. And then you might come across some kind of worldview that gives credence to what you are feeling and makes it make sense. And then you might now begin to think that, oh, that worldview is true because it's not discounting the fact that I'm feeling emotions. What I say just makes sense. Let me try and explain it again. That's why it's important that you know the truth of things. Because if you don't know it, the devil is going to give you a potion mixed with 99% truth and that 1% lie. So you might be thinking, so let me contextualize it what I'm saying. You might feel that believers should not have emotions. But someone does something to you and you are angry. Or someone does something to you and you are sad, like you actually feel sad. And you will now be feeling like, ah, no, they say you should not be sad. But you are feeling sad. And then somebody else comes to tell you that, no, um, how, how do they say it nowadays? Um, your feelings are valid. And there's something in you is like, yes, my feelings are actually valid. Because you felt that because I'm a Christian, I shouldn't express my emotions. No, you should express, but you must ground it in the truth of God's word. The example I'm using is anger. It's not saying you should not be angry, but it's saying that, don't let the sun go down with your anger. Do not sin when you're angry. This is because God knows how he created you. You will feel emotions and different types of emotions. Okay? clear. Exactly. You see why I'm going through this long route where I'm going. Um, let me see another example. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 7. Uh, let me read from verse six. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him. I'm reading from NIV, because He cares for you. Now, get the anxiety there. It said, cast all your anxiety. So there will be things that will happen that the way you will react is you'll be anxious. The truth of God's word now tells us what to do in that particular situation. It tells you to cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. So it doesn't tell you that, if not, that you, you must not feel anxiety as a Christian. You are not a strong Christian. No. Okay? So that's just another example. Now, um, let's... So I just need to explain that. Now let's go, and I'm going to tie it up later. Let's go to what... Um, what I said we're going to be talking about today, the Psalms, Passion of the Psalms. Now, so when you see the Psalms, right, um, the Psalms is a style of Hebrew um, poetry. One of the best places I saw that really captured it, it says it's it's a style of Hebrew poetry that is addressed to the mind through the heart. It's poetry, right? It's It's a collection of, Poetry, poems, actually songs that they used to sing then in the temple and prayers, right? And I'm adding to it, it's also, for me, it's an instruction. Like, for me, it's a guide to how you should philosophize. And I'll give you some examples. So it's actually songs to be recited. It's a collection of songs, prayers, and poems. Now, the reason why it's important to understand this is the psalm, the Psalms are actually not epistles. They are not letters. They are not laws. So you need to be careful not to actually read it like letters. A good way to put it is um, because, and the reason why that is very important is because there are a lot of emphasis. There's a lot of symbolism, right? So let me uh, 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 an easy one that comes to my mind is the Lord is my shepherd. It's a song. It's it's lyrics. Right, so you need to be careful not to take it literally as doctrine, so you don't say the Lord is my shepherd. That means in heaven, when we get to heaven, Jesus will be wearing shepherd clothing because the Lord is my shepherd. No, it's not it's not like epistles that you should be taking, um that you would take like that statements for epistles explain things like that, but the psalms are actually. Poems, do you understand? There are times where they will emphasize things and they will say, um, let me see, some can say, I killed 10,000. Might not necessarily have killed 10,000. Or like the song we, we sang before um, as we started service, I said, if all my praises still fall shy, I will sing again a hundred billion times. Can you sing again a hundred billion times? No. But that's what psalms are. They are lyrics. They are poetry. So it's 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 important that you understand it for what it is so that you know that it's not some, something that you now take, um, should be taken as equating it to, you know, doctrine. There are a lot of metaphors used, emphasis, symbolism, and all of that. Okay, so there are about 150 psalms. It's broken down into five sections. So there are places where you tell you book one, book two, book three. Book 4, Book 5, um, there are some, uh, what, what do they call them now, theologians or whatever, that will tell you that um, it's, it's broken down into five sections. The first two chapters really just explain, um, so, okay, so the, the collection of Psalms, the 150 Psalms, have always been there, and then people now reading it and analyzing it years after, now gave their own um, opinion on what they think guided what informed the Psalms that were put there. So they say the first two Psalms really show the theme around the types of Psalms that were put. Because there were a lot of, by Psalms, they are Psalms poems, songs, prayers, that the Jews recited in the temple. And there they they are a whole lot more Psalms, actually. In fact, there are Psalms that are outside the book of Psalms. Uh, an example that comes to mind is when um, what's the name of Moses' sister? Miriam. What's Moses' sister's name? Miriam. When um, there was one that she sang in the book of Exodus, those are examples of Psalms as well. So there are actual Psalms that are not in the book of Psalms. You also see some in the prophets and things like that. right? But um, the general consensus is that what informed the kinds of um, songs that were put that um, that we have the book of one hundred fifty Psalms are that uh, there's a, there's a because they notice the pattern, and the pattern is informed by Psalm one and two, which speaks to um, David's lamentation about his relationship with God, him calling out to God and God calling out to him. It also speaks about um, the exile when uh, the Israelites went into the exile, they had everything they went through. And then there's another section that now speaks to hope of what is going to come and the Messiah and things like that. So they found out that those were common themes in all the Psalms that, that are there. Um, but the Psalms is not just Psalms of David. We know that yeah. Although he has majority of them, there's also Psalms of the songs of Korah who were designated Levites. There's also Psalms of as Saf, who was a musician under David. And there are actually about 50 Psalms that you don't know who authored who the Psalms. Um, and then here and there, there's a the Psalm of Solomon. And, and the, so those are the kinds of books you have in Psalms. Okay? So just to reiterate, it points to doctrinal truths. Um, but it's, that's not its major work. Do you understand? It was. The psalms were done as, again, poems, songs, lyrics, and things like that, that it points to doctrinal truth. So you have to be very careful to read it as a poem. Do you understand? Read it like that and don't necessarily take things um, literally. Okay? Another thing that I always say is, um, for me, it helps, especially things, psalms like the Psalms of David, it 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 also helps us to understand and it describes how the it describes to us how he saved man's hearts ought to be. Remember, you need to also okay, I'll say this. It also describes us how he saves man's heart should be. Okay? And it shows us how to rate world people. Just put it that way. That's how I wrote it in my notes. It showed us, you know what I mean by world people now. It shows us how to rate world people. And it also describes to us a man after God's heart, how it happened, how people like that, you know, express themselves. So we we can understand from the Psalms the humanity of man and his relationship with God. And the reason why this is important when you understand the humanity of man and his relationship to God is that it helps to give credence to some of the things that you go through in life. That's one of the most beautiful things about the Psalms. When you read the Psalms, you begin to understand that some of these emotions that I'm, I'm feeling, some of these things I'm going through, I'm actually not alone. It's not just me, right? Because people who have, had, had a work with God chose to express themselves, and I can now get insights to be able to read some of these things. It kind of gives, it lets you know that you are not stupid for feeling the way you feel. And it helps you to, you know, sometimes express the words that you, you feel. are yeah, sometimes you feel some things and you don't even know how to express it. There are some Psalms we read and you realize just how... You, you, you realize the pain in what David went through. So it kind of gives credence to some of the things that you go through and you feel and you express. I show, I'll read to you the Psalm that me and peace married. In January, when they were dragging us on the street. <laughs> and that psalm was so encouraging. Wow. Right? So, yeah, so understanding the psalms, um, you, you, you get understanding from the psalms about the humanity of man and his relationship with God. Right? It makes the Bible closer to what you feel. And the way the psalms are, because they don't look... Permit me to put this way, perfectionistic in the sense that from the Psalms, you don't even see a case where all the feelings he was feeling were perfect feeling, joy all the time, rejoicing, no pain, and all of that. Those are, these are the little things that will make you know that the scriptures were not man's invention. Because if I were to tell you to create a religion and write things like that, write the things, everything you do. And everything you write there will most times be perfect. You won't show people that are saying, God, there are times where David actually told God that God let these people die. Like, he prayed those type of things. Remember, I said that you need to always balance these things from the truth of God's word. But we see that there are some Christian sects that now take those things literally and begin to pray those prayers for their enemies. Right? So, Of which we know that that's not, that's not, that wasn't the purpose of it. So that's why I keep emphasizing that you can't, you need to understand it for what it is. There are poems, there are songs, there are lyrics. It's not doctrine in itself. You need to be able to balance it. Do you understand that point? So because you saw David praying that, let all my enemies, you know, if you were to put it in modern day English, let trailer fall on them because they are all silly. But yeah. However, it still brings you closer. Um, it brings the Bible closer and it brings you closer to the Bible because you understand. It lets you know that they weren't perfectionistic things. So you know that the Bible is not somebody who just dead the idea that um, these are the little things that dead the idea that the Bible is some man made you know, hula balloon. Okay? So um, now that we understand this thing, right, how do you now read the Psalm? So I said the first thing you need to do is first di- dissect and identify the emotion, okay? Or if it's not an emotion that is expressing, sometimes there are psalms that are expressing a certain philosophy that will tell you things like, blessed is the man who walks in the way of the Lord. It's telling you something. So that's not an, an, emo- an emotion. It's actually telling you something. So it's giving you a way to frame your worldview. So the first thing you need to do is first identify what it is. Then another, another way to read the psalm is, let it help you to speak and express yourself. Just the same way we read, and it's good when we say, okay, everybody, can we praise God? Can everybody just praise God in your own tongue? It's good because when we, ever, when we lead worship and we lead praise and we say things like that, it's trying to get your mind to focus and deliberately praise God. But at the same time, if when we have, have worship sessions, um the choir, for example, TBC Minstrels. I'm still thinking of the name. I need a, it's very strong. Minstrels. No, sorry, T-E-C choristers stars are singing songs like, uh, you're too faithful to fail me, right? It's the same way Psalms also gives you lyrics sometimes to express your worship to God, okay? So that's another way to read the Psalms. So first and foremost, you, can, you dissect and identify, number one, the emotions it's it's, it's saying at that part, particular point in time, which could be an emotion that you're feeling also. Or you also I, I dissect and identify the philosophy of what it's saying to you. Um, two, you allow it to help you speak and express yourself. Um, there are prayers in the psalm, there are worships in the psalm, so you allow it to help you speak and express yoursa- yourself. Um, another thing you need to do when you read the psalm is... Um, look at how it relates to God. Remember I said um, in the Bible, there are two things we see. We see the divinity of God, we see the humanity of man, and we see how they relate. So another thing you read and identify from the Psalms is that relationship, and we'll do some, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And then most importantly, you need to filter it through Christ. Right? the Psalms that we will write in this day and time will be different from the Psalms that we have in the, in the Bible because now Christ has come. We know Christ. We know the truth of God's word. And again, the reason why I'm emphasizing this is you will read some Psalms that you will see some things that, ah, this looks bloody. But again, you need to balance it. That's the most important thing. In fact, if you don't take anything else, you must always ground it in the truth of God's word. So when you are reading a psalm that says, "Quench all my enemies and let all my enemies die by fire, if you are going to balance it from the truth of God's word, what will you do at that particular point in time? (laughs) You know that, no, that's not what is going to happen. That's not how Jesus is doing what he's doing. You know that we are praying for our enemies. We know that we want our enemies to be reconciled to God, right? Um, So that's how you balance it, okay? So have we gotten the different filters that we'll use? So now I want us to read some psalms. And um, this is the part we are going to do together. Do we have a second mic? The same time I'm preaching on Wednesday, we bring you a second mic. Because Wednesday in particular is the time that I can come to you people and put a mic in your mouth and be catching all of you. So I want us to read a couple of Psalms. And um, again, what was the first thing I said when we are preaching how we read the Psalms? I'm, this is why I'm supposed to put mic in your mouth so everybody that is listening will know whether you are following me or not. What's the first thing I said that we are going to do? Dissect it. Dissect it. Okay, what's the next thing? Let it help you speak and express yourself. What's the other thing? Yes, emphasize how it relates to God. And then what's the last thing and most important thing? Feel true through Christ. God bless people that bring paper, and bio to church to write notes. Not that you'll be writing on their phone. I have a psalm for you. Okay, so let's start. Let's read Psalm 3. Uh, Psalm 3. I need someone. Who who has a dramatic voice here? Actually. Oh, I need another mic. Can you dramatize? Oh I need I need one dramatic this thing. Psalm 3. This is a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Oh Jaga Jaga Jaga. So let's first put it in that context. This is a psalm of David when he fled his son Absalom. We all know what happened between David and Absalom, right? Yeah. Okay. So, I need, I need effects. I need background, this thing. Because I need it to be dramatic. So, this is, this is David saying, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, And he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear through tens of thousands. I I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessings be on your people. What emotions does this psalm tell you? Anguish. What other are, what are emotion? Pain. What other emotion? And somebody that wants to break the teeth. Anger. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. As per, give them a What so specific... This psalm is the psalm of David when he fled Absalom. And from the psalm, we could see the anguish, the pain, the anger that David felt. And then, so that's the first one. Now, what do we see about his understanding of God in this psalm? What, does he, what do we see from, what insight do we get from his understanding of God and how God relates to man? yeah so he says lord but you lord are a shield around me so that this is what i mean by from the psalm you can understand the relationship of god you can begin you can pick things like that from the relationship of god but you lord are a shield around me my glory the one who lifts my head high another thing you see, you see is that i call out to god and he answers me from his holy mountain And then verse 8, it says, From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Right? And then lastly, let's now filter it (laughs) through the truth of God's word. (laughs) Through the truth of Christ in particular. If we were to put that filter of Christ here, one of the first things that you understand is that, no, God is not going to strike all his enemies on the jaw. You understand that, Right? Another thing you understand is, yes, the Lord is a shield around you, but the Lord lives in you. That's another thing that you understand. Another thing that you understand is, from the Lord comes deliverance. Hallelujah, glory to God. Our deliverance has already come. Do you understand? So when you read these Psalms, whether it's a prayer or it's this, you know that you are not saying, from the Lord comes deliverance, without understanding that the Lord has brought deliverance. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, let's go to another Psalm. I I picked some dramatic ones. Um, Ah, this this is a good one, Psalm 42. Who wants to dramatize this one for me? Who wants to dramatize this one for me? The height of Hermon from Mount of Miza. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all the waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the the, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony. As my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. What a roller coaster. What emotions can we see from this particular psalm? Trenches. Mm. There's a brother that knows what this psalm is talking about. Trenches. Depression, Depression. Isolation. isolation. What what's what's the grammar you just called? I did Abandonment. I thought you said pet abandonment. What the you- <laughs> abandonment? What else can we see from this particular psalm? Man, this 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 is this sons of Korah when they wrote this psalm. Ay 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 we see them use phrases like, "as the it's, when, when, when someone says, as the deer pants for stream of streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. What does that tell you? Longing. It's a desire for God. That's where he started from. Then he now reached one place. He said, my soul, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He's trying to encourage himself. Put your hope in God. That's what he's he's talking to himself. He's like, he looked in the mirror and telling you, why are you so downcast? Put your hope in God. That's another. In the same same psalm, he went from being um, longing for God to telling himself to put your hope in God. You know, like I said, this kind of psalm brings brings the Bible closer to you. How many of you have ever been at a point in your life where you could relate to this psalm? So this is one of the beautiful things about Psalm. You know, like I've said, as believers, you will feel emotion. You will. So the Psalms help you sometimes to express the emotion that you're going to feel. But remember, what do we now do? We now balance it, okay? So let's look at his attempt at balancing it. where he said at at the last part. And another funny thing I want to even say about this Psalm, let me just drop it very quickly and move on, is that in this particular Psalm, we did not see um, whatever it was going through in this psalm, we did not see it being taken away. Do you know that? It's almost similar to the psalm that God... You know Jesus was saying a psalm when he was on the cross. Like in this psalm, we didn't see God taking away the thing he was going through. But we saw his heart at the end of the day. where he said... Put your hope in God. Yet I will praise him, my Savior and my God. So that is one thing that we know is is the truth of the truth of God's word. We even know from the New Testament that you will go through trials. You will go through tribulations. Trials and tribulations. Don't think that in in the middle of the trial and tribulation, you'll be be shining your teeth and be happy. I say trials and tribulations, it will touch you. Sometimes this, this is how you will feel. But by the time you look at it through the future of God's word, you know that Christ is the anchor of your soul. Do you understand? So you always put your hope in God. So from this time, it wasn't, what he was feeling wasn't deleted. But where we now anchor ourselves is that I'm always going to put my hope in God. This world is not my home. I am a, more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. Let's not use our world lens to be able to to start thinking of I'm more than a conqueror means that I will never suffer in this life. I'm sorry, yo. That's not what the Bible promised you. You will go through trials and tribulations. You will go through trials and tribulations. So when things like this come and you're feeling all of all these emotions, what I'm trying to say to you is when you feel these emotions, feel it. You're going to feel emotions, feel it. Don't begin to fight. Feel the emotions, but make sure that you don't leave that place downcast. Make sure you don't leave that place downtrodden. Do you understand what I'm saying? Make sure that you now balance it. When you feel the anger, you feel the anger. There's nothing. You can't delete it. You can't go into your DNA and start deleting. Well, there are people in this world who are, I can't remember the, is it psycho, is that the definition of sociopaths or psychopaths? I don't know. That might not feel emotions, right? But you, you feel emotions. When you feel the emotions, when you go through things, feel the emotions, you can't delete it, but make sure at the end of the day, you do what? you ground it in God's word. Ground it in God's word. Don't leave that place and all you felt is the emotion. Leave that place with hope. Okay? Let me see if the next example I have is still another. Ah, let me read the one that's a sum of some psalm can relate. This is a masculine of David slash Ijoma, slash Pisam when they went through a trying time. Those that know what I, those, those that you will soon understand. So he says, Listen to my prayer, oh God. Do not ignore my plea. Oh, Psalm 55. Psalm 55. Sorry. Psalm 55. Look at, look at the way people are interested in this. Psalm. Huh? You want to feel what I'm feeling. Okay. Psalm 55, are we there? So, it says, listen to my prayer. Of course, you know that I'm balancing this um, on the truth of God's word. I know that God is not ignoring my plea or anything, but let let me read the psalm. It says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. So, this is where it starts for me from. My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked. For they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. It wasn't terrors of death, anyway. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I, have, I had the wings of a dove. I will fly away and be at rest. I will flee far away and stay in the desert. I would, I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. Lord, confuse the wicked. Confound their words. For I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about on its wall. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. See this part. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshippers. Then this, this way started. Let death take my enemies by surprise. <laughs> Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds find lodgings among them. As for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me. Even though many oppose me, God who is enthroned from old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them, because they have no fear of God. My companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His stock is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. Anyway, cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. You, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out their days. But as for me, I will trust in you. <laughs> right? So, though, when I mean that, there were parts of this psalm that comforted me where he spoke about betrayal. Where he said, If it's your enemy that is talking against you, you can endure it. But where it's your companion that begins to say things about you, you know you feel a certain way. What, what, what does this, what kind of emotion does this bring up in your mind? Betrayal. Pain, betrayal. Right? Where you are saying things like, my thoughts trouble me because of what my enemy is saying. Because of the threats of the wicked. My heart is in anguish within me. Right? So imagine somebody going through something where you are accused falsely of something. There are some parts of these Psalms that. You could relate to it. But again, remember I said you always need to balance it with the truth of God's word. Because where is that thing that he said that he should do to his enemies again? Say, let death take my enemies by surprise. Uh-uh. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead. Uh-uh. <laughs> For evil finds lodgings in them. But you could just see that it's the pain that people were feeling. But again, like I said, how to read the Psalms is that you will always balance it with the truth of God's word. Because we are trying to enjoy the kind of emotions that the Psalms can stir up in us, doesn't mean we should take everything. Remember, we're not taking it literally for doctrine. Okay. Uh let me see. There's one more I want to read. I have to let me pick the one I want to read out of those two. There are even some psalms of that are like prophecies for example psalm seventy two actually speaks about jesus um i wanna i wanna wrap up quickly so I won't have time to read through that I want to read one more psalm aha uh-huh, this is another one I like I may not read the whole thing but I'll just read the parts of it that I like. So everything I've been reading is about despair and this thing, but this is about, um, again, expressing, this is an expressive and a worship type of psalm, Psalm 45. Psalm, psalm 45, and I particularly like this psalm, at least the beginning of the psalm, in the NKJV version. Where am I going to find NKJV now? This I like the beginning in, uh, oh, shoot. I like the beginning in NKJV. Um, Sorry, I'm just trying to open. NKJV. It says, my heart is overflowing with a good thing. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Right? So, this is a psalm that is a worshipping psalm. The reason why I like this song, I, I like that particular phrase that says, my, my, my tongue is the pain of a ready writer. It's just a psalm that is helping to express worship. Right? And there are a lot of psalms like that. If we were to read psalms um, from one, Psalms 146, the last five psalms, really, you will see those psalms too are songs that, psalms that help you express praises. Psalm 146, praise the Lord, praise the Lord my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in praises in human beings who cannot save. When the spirits depart, they return to the ground, blah, 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 blah. And it goes on and on. Uh, He's the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He opposes the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. So these Psalms also help you really express, again, worship and who God is. Psalm 146, 147, they all start with praise the Lord, Um, praise you the Lord, or they start with hallelujah, which is like a call, praise the Lord. So that's why it's interpreted as praise the Lord. Um, But what it actually says is hallelujah. And you just these are psalms that help you to praise and worship and all of that. Okay, and so on and on. Psalm one one nine. We all know that's the longest psalm. That, that psalm talks about how David loved the word of God. That's where you you there are a lot of um, um, psalms there that speaks to um, how we should relate with the word the word of God. Now the Bible, the scriptures um and that's a very good one to read okay um so i'm going to wrap up um in this way right and just reemphasize it that again when you're reading the psalms read it in understanding knowing its place in god's plan read it with the filter of christ okay let christ be the 3d glasses you are wearing when you are reading the psalms okay um remember it helps you to express your emotion all right um Another thing you should do to the Psalms, you should actually read it consistently, right? And not just when you feel like. Because like I said, there are parts of the Psalms that help you to frame um, what your philosophy of God should be. Where to tell you blessed is, um, that's another one I would have loved to read, but you can pen it down, Psalm, um, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 actually. Those are Psalms that help you to frame how you should think. Where it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. That's Psalm one, right? So, that's this is this is the reason why you should actually read the Psalms consistently. You know, there's a way where you can just leave it and not even just touch the Psalm, except when Pastor IJ tells you to come, let's read Psalms, okay? So, you should read it often, really. Savor it, right? Um. helps you put it in context another good way to read it is let's say you're reading um um chronicles first kings and all of that and you see different parts where david went through something most bibles will cross-reference it and tell you a psalm so there are times where like the first one we read was when um david had that is with absalom so when you're reading the story if you want to i don't know how some people think some people think graphically I think graphically. My mind is just one big movie that I'm directing. So I I think graphically. Some people think in words. Some people, however you think, right? Sometimes you can go and read the Psalms to understand how David felt because that's what it is, okay? So you could always read it like that in context. It helps you, right? But it's always, again, meditate on... on. Another way to read it again is to meditate on the philosophy of God and the nature of man when you read the Psalms, okay? And use it to express your praises to God. So in closing, um, I want to quote something that a particular person said. This particular person, when I say the name, people like Sammy will be happy. He's um, um, a minister called John Piper, where he, what he said about the Psalms. He said the Psalms, more intentionally than any other book in the Bible, is designed to carry, express, and shape your emotion. Um, It allows you to rein them in and free them up and explode them and kill them where they should be killed. It's an amazing gift to the church. And Psalms and poems exist because something more should happen to us, right? More than just, you know, reading the Bible for doctrinal refinement. When you read the Bible and you're reading it to refine your doctrine, there's also more that should happen to us. It allows you to rein your emotions, kill it where you need to kill it, express it. That's what the Psalms should do. And my charge to everybody is when we see the Psalms, when we see how much the Psalms have blessed and gifted us, this is an encouragement with what I want to tell you to do. You should write Psalms on your own. Write it. Don't you don't need to write it to publish it for us to read it. Write it how you want to write it. The funny thing is that there are a lot of psalms that if you read it in the original um, language is written, the thing is very nice lyric. Some some psalms you see that everything is the the words are rhyming some you see the way the lines are the first two lines are repeated in the second lines and things like that so all those very english majors will tell you all the different um skills that poets use but you don't need to do that but you should actually write your psalms you should write your psalms that help you to express your emotion right and not just express your emotion express your emotion in truth of god's word you should be able to write your psalms that say ah how my soul has gone down in the trenches, yet I will trust in the living God that will not leave me here. Write it. Write, it. write Psalms. Express your emotions that way. If you are blessed, even put it in that music. Let's sing it. Okay? Because we know um, the truth of Christ, because we know what Christ has done for us, I believe you can even write more balanced Psalms than the Psalms that we've read. Do you understand? Because you understand what Jesus has done for you. So you can write it in that light. Where to say, in my anger, I will not sin. But oh, how I felt angry. But I know that in my anger, I will not sin. You can write things that say, oh, Christ is the anchor for my soul. I will trust him and worship him all the days of my life. Write it. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to, be, have to flow, you know. But that's my encouragement to you. Write it. Express your emotions in truth of God's word. Write the song. If it's not um, like a poem, like, lyrically, like, you can even write it in song. Record it on your phone. Only send it to your girlfriend. Don't send it to us. Sing the song like that. That's a psalm as well, right? Um, write it. Let it help you capture your Christ-based philosophy. Do you understand me? You need to capture it. Capture it so that nobody else helps you to capture it. Allow, write your own psalms and capture your Christ-based philosophy. Amen. Have we been blessed this evening? Yeah. And if 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 you are led to share your own Psalms with the house, share it. You know. You can bless someone the same way Psalms have blessed us. All right. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.